It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hello, everybody. It's Martha McCallum live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin this morning, the day after the big debate. And this is the Untold Story podcast. I'm really glad to have my friends Byron York and Katie Pavlich with us this morning to talk a little bit about what we watched last night and where the race for the Republican nomination goes from here. So Byron and Katie, good morning. Good morning. So obviously people will be listening to this throughout the week. But it is the morning after the debate right now. And um, it was a lively scene out there last night. And uh, I'm curious what your impressions were. Katie, let me start with you about the candidates, how they did and, you know, how they addressed the questions that were that were asked last night. It was pretty lively, as I said. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you guys did a great job of getting things uh, out and the questions that people, I think, in Republican primaries want to hear answered. Um, initial takeaways are that, you know, Ron DeSantis going in is that number two. So I, I expected a lot of incoming for him. Did it really stick a lot of that? Saw most of that reserved for Vivek Ramaswamy, who's obviously been climbing in the polls and catching DeSantis. Uh, I thought that he, you know, there were a lot of back and forth between, you know, Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy and the former vice, uh, vice president, Mike Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy. But DeSantis really was able to answer your questions and rise above kind of the the back and forth debate based on personality. Um, You know, Vivek took a lot of incoming from a number of people who were attacking his inexperience and trying to take advantage of his his young age and lack of experience in politics. Um, But, you know, Nikki Haley, I think, had a lot of really great answers on the reality of what it's going to mean for some of these things to get done, and especially on the abortion question with some kind of federal ban on abortion when she explained how many senators it would take, pro-life senators, and how they haven't been around for years. Um, so overall, I thought it was a, a good debate. Tim Scott, I think, is, is going to be staying in the Senate. Didn't make much of an impression, unfortunately, for him. Um, but of course, all of this is at the backdrop of former President Donald Trump still being way ahead in the field. But that doesn't mean that this may not cause some movement in places like Iowa, where Ron DeSantis is really been working hard to visit all the counties and get people into the caucus and voting for him. So, Byron, when, when you look at last night and, and Katie just brought it up, obviously the lead contender for the Republican nomination wasn't there last night and the former president's ahead by a mile. But all of these people are jockeying to be the person or maybe two people who can go up against him and maybe give him a run for his money. How do you think they did? Well, you know, I think politically, um, the debate last night vindicated Trump's decision not to take part because the, the theory in the Trump camp was that he looks at the debate and he sees a bunch of people who are fighting over second place, which is absolutely fine with him as long as his big lead uh, emerges unscathed. And I think that's exactly what happened. So, so uh, I, I think we all agree that the debate should have included Trump and that he should have taken part, but he didn't. And I think he's actually going to politically um, uh, benefit from that. DeSantis, uh, you know, DeSantis was talking in the run up to the debate about how he expected to be the main target and everybody was going to go after him. 
that didn't really happen. And I think DeSantis actually kind of struggled to break out during the debate. And I don't think he had the big debate that he hoped uh, he would have. I think Nikki Haley did uh, did really well and had a much better debate than maybe I or any other people thought that uh, she would have. And then there was the Ramaswamy issue. You know, on, on Canada Casino last week, actually, I said <laughs> it's going to make a big impression um, at the debate. And indeed, he did by being interesting, talkative, and a complete jerk at times. Uh, <laughs> very, you know, and I, I'm looking at it, and clearly the all of the other candidates just can't stand him by the end of the debate. And he does say things like, I'm the only person on this stage who's not bought and paid for. I mean, just complete yeah. insult, an insult routine. Um, the, the thing is, is that I think we're seeing some early indication that a lot of voters liked it. So, uh, you know, the, the other candidates didn't like it. Maybe some people in the press thought, oh, this is this is unheard of. This is bad behavior. But I think a lot of voters are going to actually like it. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, I think some somebody said you know, he was like your freshman roommate that you can't stand. Um, and I, at one point he was waving his finger right at, at Mike Pence. And I thought, you know, I, I was kind of about to say something about that. But I thought, you know, Pence isn't saying anything about it. And and until Nikki Haley at one point said, you know, that things were getting out of control, which I don't think they were, um, you know, I, I, I thought he was really getting away with with a lot. And then Chris Christie kind of jumped in and was like, wait a minute, wait a minute about the comment that you mentioned, Byron, about you're all bought and paid for. So I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how what kind of longevity Ramaswamy has. Yes. Katie, how, how do you think he holds up? Well, I mean, I, I think it depends on, you know, how he continues to go out and campaign. And I had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago when he was really, you know, moving forward up in the polls. And I asked him, you know, is your goal to beat Donald Trump? And how do you plan on doing that? And, you know, he, of course, every candidate says their goal is to beat the president. But he says that he's getting in these rooms of 50 to 500 people. Um, and he's able to try and, you know, convince these people that he's a good alternative to Trump. Um, so, you know, I see him increasing his his lead a little bit, um, but not sure that it really cuts into the Trump vote as much as he would like. Now, the DeSantis campaign has been worried about him, uh, which is why it was surprising that DeSantis didn't go after him much last night. Yeah. But, to, you know, to his benefit, you know, not getting dropping down to a level that you feel like you've already surpassed is, is a beneficial thing when it comes to debating and, and you know, trying to rise above it and being a better candidate and not getting, you know, at one point, Vivek Ramaswamy was also you know, pointing his whole hand and wiggling his fingers into the frame with DeSantis, which was also quite oh, no. an yes. interesting, uh, interesting thing. So, you know, he, he's, he says that he's not, you know, he's not part of the donor class. He, he's not, quote, bought and paid for um, he certainly is is charismatic and has a lot to say and says a lot of the right things. Um, but maybe, you know, after introducing himself for the first time, really on a national level, which is what his goal was, he did say the debate was very important for him. Um, we'll see if people think it's too much of a show or if they really like what he's his ideas uh, uh, may be in putting them in place for policy. You know, Byron, the first section was about the economy and one sort of looked back that I was reading this morning said, 
that there was a lot of discussion about debt and no one cares about debt and spending and people don't, you know, Republicans haven't cared about spending. And there was an interesting exchange with Nikki Haley on that. I thought, is that a place that you think that the party will return to? And what is a conservative presidential candidate who is not Donald Trump and can be a contender potentially look like? Well, a return to paying a lot of attention to spending in debt would be kind of a return to normalcy in the Republican <laughs> Party. I mean, right. what Nikki Haley said, um, which was kind of refreshing, she talked about how much Republicans had increased spending and at times had pushed for more spending than Democrats did. Right. I mean, that was straight out of the Tea Party from 2010. Um, so, and, and of course, Republicans have been going on about spending, going back to Reagan and, and before. So this is a very traditional issue for um, Republicans. The, the, the thing about Trump, uh, I believe, is that he showed that you could be popular with Republicans and just not care about that at all. I mean, he uh, uh, remember back when Trump first ran, you know, the Paul Ryan entitlement reform plan uh, was a, was kind of orthodoxy among Republicans. And Trump just threw all that out the window. Uh, and it, nobody really, and he cer certainly didn't suffer politically for it. So I, I feel that we're we're in for a return, at least to lip service, um, about spending in the debt. But I would be stunned if uh, any of them actually did anything about it. Yeah. Um, what about Katie? The discussion on abortion, because clearly it was a very tough subject in the midterms for Republicans, who I think just thought they could ignore it and it would go away, uh, that that's not going to happen. So, you know, and there's a lot of back and forth on six week bans, federal bans, and whether or not it makes sense for the Republican Party to try to get through a federal ban or to run on a federal ban. And I thought um, Doug Burgum and Ramaswamy both have supported no federal ban, but essentially allowing the Supreme Court decision to stand, which is that the states get to decide. How do you think these candidates need to play this politically? Yeah, and you, you aptly pointed out in your question last night that when this when abortion has been on the, the ballot uh, after in the aftermath of the returning of abortion to the states and the overturning of Roe, it's failed for pro-life voters and, and, and pro-choice voters have won on those issues. And Republicans, as you mentioned, have, you know, a lot of them, especially in the 2022 campaign trail, just decided to bury their heads, heads in the sand and say that it's a done issue and that we're not going to address it uh, to their detriment. I mean, the majority of the country is actually at a 15 week restriction, which includes 70 percent of Democrats. Uh, at the same time, you have the National Democratic Party, including President Joe Biden, refusing to issue a single restriction on abortion. And five states in this country allow abortion up to birth and they say, oh, well, that's only one to two percent of abortions. Well, that's 12,000 babies a year. Uh, you know, so if, if that were a number that we were talking about in any other instance, it, it would matter a whole lot more. But politically, um, you know, federally, I think Nikki Haley had also a good uh, answer on this when she said, look, for us to pass a, a federal abortion ban, we would need, uh, you know, 60 pro-life senators. We haven't had that in years uh, in decades, really, it's it's just not realistic. It is not going to happen. It doesn't mean you're not pro-life. Um, but Republicans, in terms of talking about this, have not been very good at, at pointing out that actually the majority of the country does support a 15-week limit. Uh, 
um, and Democrats have been able to paint them as extremists on the issue. They're going to have to figure out electorally how to handle this, because as we saw in Wisconsin recently, you know, the left gets out to vote on this issue. Whether that will happen again in the 2024 presidential election is to, you know, to be seen. But it's something that Republicans have struggled to deal with uh, on that level. The Untold Story continues right after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. You know, one moment that I thought was interesting, Byron, was in the beginning when Vivek Ramaswamy kind of introduced himself and he said, you know, who's this guy? Who is this guy? Who's this skinny guy with, you know, a funny last name? And I immediately thought, well, that's what Barack Obama said about himself. And I I thought, is he sort of doing that on purpose or, you know, where's he going? And and then Chris Christie brought it up. Did that stand out to you when he said that? And I thought, why would you refer to yourself in exactly the way that, you know, a very popular Democrat (laughs) president did? Immediately that stuck out. That was just, I mean, it was obviously clear. And Ramaswamy is a very smart guy. He knew exactly what he was doing there. Now, what was the actual purpose? Was it just to set some people off? Well, if it was, uh, it did set some people off. And, yeah. you know, uh, Christie was perhaps an imperfect vessel, as they say, to uh, to attack um, uh, Ramaswamy on that. Because, you know, after the whole Hurricane Hazel thing, was, uh, Obama went uh, to New Jersey. Christie was the governor. And they really had this kind right. of little bromance for a while. It was, it was kind of weird. Christie seemed to yeah. Go overboard in uh, because <laughs> yeah, I think Ramaswamy said, "Are you going to give me a hug?" Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, was ready. You know, when that um, happened. On the other hand, like, what was the point of saying? I don't know. He is skinny, and he does have a funny last name. I guess that's actually true. Um, but what's the point of comparing yourself to Obama? Because Obama is really unpopular with Republican voters. I don't. Yeah. It, I, it was kind of a, a strange moment. You know, in terms of the big picture takeaway and scoring them, who comes out of this with movement in the polls, if anybody, Nikki, and then I'll ask Byron the same thing. 
So I was looking oh, at some Katie, polling. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I was uh, looking at a poll that said that that she won. So that's why I said that. But yes, no think? problem. Yes, I was. You know, I was looking at polling this morning too, and you know, half of the GOP primary voters are still willing to vote for Ron DeSantis, and so mm-hmm. you know, there may not. It, it, it's always just you know, this big, we've never been here before. So it's hard, difficult to find out like, okay, so the front runners ahead by 35 to 40% consistently. We just had the first debate who the, you know, the front runner skipped, but it seems like there are more Republican voters who are willing to vote for DeSantis and who don't see him as unfavorable um, than the Trump campaign is, is really willing to admit. So I think, you know, I talked to the DeSantis campaign, uh, last or on Monday before the debate. And they were saying that, you know, they, they believe that Iowa is a place that they can gain momentum going into um, the rest of the, the early states. So, you know, we'll see if he's able to, to move a little bit on, on that, that angle. But again, it's just so difficult to peel off these Trump supporters, um, even in, with the backdrop of, of President Trump turning himself in today for in, at Fulton County Jail, as you guys showed last night. So, uh, I, I do think that he did a good job of staying above the fray and really gave great answers about his background, what he's done in Florida. And I think the message of not managing decline and, you know, becoming, you know, America again and and fighting back against the bureaucratic state, especially when it came to COVID and the government running your life. I mean, those were really great conservative answers that I think people, you know, look at look to him, especially with what he did in Florida and the success Republicans had there and why so many people moved there. And he was really able to articulate that last night. Yeah. Who, who did you think stood out, Byron? And can anybody become the clear second choice here? Yeah, well, obviously, DeSantis had thought of himself as the clear second choice here. And I I think if you look at things, I, I, I certainly I don't think this hurts Trump at all. So I, I don't think this has any real effect on that. DeSantis the, the real question is, can it stop his slide? I mean, if you look at the real clear politics average of national polls, DeSantis' support today is less than half of what it was in January. And yeah. is this, is this going to fix that problem? I, don't, I, I just don't think that it will. Um, Ramaswamy, I, I think you're going to see an increase in interest and perhaps an increase in support. So, so this behavior will be encouraged uh, by a positive uh, reaction from some of the voters. I think Nikki Haley helped herself. Wouldn't be surprised to see her go up. One person we haven't talked about much is Mike Pence, uh, who was really aggressive. Uh, I was going to say he talked about himself a lot. He was <laughs> aggressive. He was yeah, very aggressive. And, you, know, you guys had a hard time getting Mike Pence to shut up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, the buzzer, the buzzer did not mean a whole lot to him last night. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he just sat on the buzzer and he wasn't going to stop talking. Um, so he, he has a fundamental problem with Republicans that we all know, uh, and, you know, Donald Trump hates him and I don't think it's really going to help him much, but he, he really had kind of a strong performance. Um, I think Tim Scott did not help himself at all in terms of the polls and, and Bergam and Hutchinson will remain, uh, also rands. So I guess the short version of what I'm saying is. I don't think it's actually going to shake up the polls in any big way. So the other thing that's in the elephant in the room, as we said last night, is what's happening in Georgia this morning. And my question, Katie, is at any point, and I did talk to voters this week in Milwaukee who were Trump supporters, and some of them seem to hint at 
maybe this is too much. Maybe it's too much to for him to handle. Maybe it's too much for voters to hang in there for through all of these um, courtroom dates that are going to be sprinkled throughout the entire election process. Now, that obviously, those are people who are not diehard Trump supporters because they've been fueled by it. But do you think that any of the Trump support starts to peel off as all of these courtroom dramas play out? Well, one answer from a woman who said she was staunchly going to continue to support Trump that I noticed in your focus group was when she said, well, he when you asked, well, you know, do you think he should show up to debate? And she said, well, he's got a lot going on with all these right. you know, excitements. And I, and I just thought I just thought, hey, yeah, but how how do you expect to be the president of the United States if he's too busy with these other issues and bogged down that he can't even come debate? If I don't think that's a reason to show up to debate. That was her reason for saying, right. know, it's fine didn't show up. Um, I mean, he, he did it before. He did four years of the Russia investigation, special counsel, two impeachments, and still got a lot done in his presidency. Um, you know, but depending on how all of this goes, it's it really, you know, the only thing that I see is if it bogs down campaign resources, which just seems inevitable given how much money we've seen spent on yeah. attorney's fees. And that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, he's not valid in the sense of saying that a lot of this is political. But it's just a reality of, you know, the resources that are spent on these legal battles are not being spent on, you know, voter turnout, ballot harvesting initiatives, everything they can do to to fix what did not work out for them during the 2020 presidential election in terms of strategy and getting people's vote counted, you know, in the same way that Democrats did through their mail-in voting programs. And just depending on people going to the polls on election day to shoot the gap on what was already banked ahead of time. Um, so, you know, that that's going to be a, a big problem, which is why if you look at, you know, the favorability of all these other candidates, there's not huge unfavorables for the top three, top four. Um, so that's where you could see maybe a little bit of movement, but otherwise it doesn't seem like people are are, are interested in, in any kind of yeah. discussion other than President Trump. So, Byron, that means that the only, Unless there's a huge dynamic change, at this point, Trump is the clear, clearly ahead and clearly looks like he can get this nomination. But we also know that a year before is really a tough time to figure out what's going to happen, because as long as I can remember where things looked like they were in the summer, in one aspect or another on either side is not where they turn out to be the following summer. You know, I I think, first of all, you look at what are the opportunities for things to change coming up um, in the next few months. And the debate, obviously, was the the sort of start of a new phase of the campaign uh, in which the candidates actually interact with each other. But I don't really see that changing this basic dynamic that you're talking about. I think the real, real test uh, starts in mid-January. When voters actually start voting. And so I, I would not, uh, you know, the DeSantis campaign, I don't think really expects to overtake Trump in the polls anytime before the actual voting starts. And, and everybody's betting, all the other candidates are betting that uh, when it comes time for voters to actually cast a ballot as opposed to talk to a pollster, uh, they might make uh, a different decision. But, uh, you know, Haley made this case, I think it was after the debate. <laughs> Um, and she said, look, we, you have to face the fact he's going to, uh, he, Trump, is going to be in a courtroom 
as much as on the campaign trail next year. And that's just a fact. And I think Republicans look at that in two ways. One, it makes them extremely mad at what they see as the unfair treatment of Trump and that his Democratic opponents are using the judicial system to defeat him uh, when they couldn't do it uh, electorally. Also, I would add, I would add something to that really quickly. I mean, there's been this conversation, too, about like, okay, so when do people start dropping out? You know, Nikki Haley's been sitting at four or five percent for a year. And, you know, I I assume they all want to get to the Iowa caucuses and the first votes being cast. But there is this reality of, of a lack of movement. Um, for for many of them, especially the people who are sitting at, at one to two, three percent um, and, and, you know, what the reality is of of the situation. Now, that could you know, that's the question of like, where do those votes go? Right. Uh, do they go to Trump? Do they go to a DeSantis, which could help him? Do they go to a Vivek Ramaswamy? Um, so, you know, those are the questions that could change the dynamic a little bit uh, just in terms of the math and evening out playing fields for it being you know, Trump versus six people or five people rather than eight people. Um, that could change the numbers a little bit, but it won't change how people vote going into January. Yeah. I, I mean, Byron, I've thought about that a lot too. It would take a real coordination on the part of the Republican Party to say, you know, we need everybody to drop out. We need one person who's running against the former president, possibly two. And last time that helped president trump a lot so do you see that kind of coordination that kind of i mean you know it's hard to imagine after last night that people will just sort of play nice and say let's have it be you uh so martha yeah i'll answer that that question so yeah i mean people assume that everybody who's not in the trump camp right now that they would not jump into his camp. Uh, I, I just don't think that's true. I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of Vivek Ramaswamy support is coming from uh, Trump supporters. They they see actually very, a lot of similarities between the two candidates uh, and how President Trump jumped into the race in 2015 as an outsider, as a businessman, as someone who said and did things that maybe were, you know, seen as kind of rude and too brash. Um, you know, Ramaswamy's certainly taken on some of those characteristics. Um, and he hasn't been attacking President Trump. I mean, he has been very, uh, you know, focused on his own policies and, and not going after his fellow candidates. Um, and I think that's something that is important to Trump voters and, and walking that line of, you know, I guess practicality, as Byron said, of there's the reality of all these indictments and what that would mean in terms of resource management um, and also carrying a different outsider perspective forward to to the campaign trail. Yeah, absolutely. I think he sees himself that way, um, Ramaswamy, in, in a lot of ways. Katie, thank you so much for being with me today. It's great to get great. your thoughts after you the so big much. debate. Yes. And Byron York, thank you so much. Great to have you with us today. Look forward to talking to you all soon on the campaign trail. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Martha. Thank great job. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with the Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Music. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.